pleasure to be in God's house with you this morning. Um, as I was getting ready for today's message on spiritual warfare, I came across a, a commentary uh, and, and uh, story that I would like to share with you guys this morning. During World War II, a young soldier named David Webster of Easy Company of the 101st Airborne wrote his mother, stop worrying about me. Moms, how would you feel if that was the first sentence you read in the letter? <laughs> stop worrying about me. I joined the parachutists to fight, and I intend to fight. If necessary, I shall die fighting, but don't worry about this because no war can be won without young men dying. Those things which are precious are saved only by sacrifice. The commentary in the story goes on by this by saying, the scripture often refers to the Christian life as a war, a spiritual battlefield. To answer the question of hymn writer Isaac Watts, we will not be carried to the skies on flowery beds of ease. And there is no victory apart from sacrifice. Just as our salvation was purchased at a great cost, overcoming the enemy and walking in the spirit require that we be willing to give up something in order to triumph. As we continue our studies in the book of Ephesians in chapter 6 today, the scripture verses that we are going to look at this week and next week, in my opinion, are probably the most important scripture verses we can look at, and yet they're the most overlooked scripture verses as well. Brothers and sisters in Christ, I need you to understand, I hope all of us in here recognize this morning that there is a battle. There is a battle, there is a war, and sometimes us who call ourselves Christians, we get blinded by this truth. And my hope and prayer today is that all of us in here who hear this message are aware that we are at war and that we need to suit up. We need to suit up and put on the armor of God. So this morning, we're going to go to God's Word, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 16 and see what the armor of God, parts of the armor of God, at least this week, how they can help us out. So Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 16, I'll be reading from the CSB version for those who may have a digital app on their cell phone. Ephesians 6, verse 10. Finally, be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. For this reason, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist the evil day. And having prepared everything to take your stand. Stand therefore with truth like a belt around your waist. Righteousness like armor on your chest, and your feet sandaled with readiness for the gospel of peace. In every situation, take up the shield of faith, which, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Will you join me in prayer this morning? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning, Lord. God, we thank you by your grace that we have the freedom to gather together and worship your holy name, Jesus. God, I think of the last worship song that we closed out with, Jesus, you paid it all. There was a cost for our sins, and Jesus, we thank you that you would be willing to sacrifice and pay that cost. Father God, now that uh, us as Christ followers, those who proclaim to be Christians, there is a cost to proclaiming your name, Lord God. And sometimes the battle out there is long. Sometimes we want to quit. Sometimes we want to give up, Lord God. But I pray through the scriptures today, Holy Spirit, speak through me today to encourage us, to empower us, to stand strong against the schemes of the evil one this morning, Lord God. Father, for anyone in here who maybe doesn't have their faith in you or maybe who have lost hope in you, whether they're 
new Christians for the first time or they've been Christians for the last 20 years, Lord God, I pray through the power of the Holy Spirit that you just empower them to put their confidence, full faith in you and you alone, Jesus. God, may all glory and honor be given to you. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. So we're going to look at this section of scriptures into three parts. And the the first part we'll just call the war. The war. Ephesians 6, six, verses 10 through 12 again. Paul says, Finally be strengthened by the Lord in his vast strength. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. I love how Paul, we're here at the end of this letter, and Paul has given us a lot of great things throughout this this message, uh, throughout this series, throughout his letter, on what it means to be a Christ follower, what it means to imitate Christ, what it means to love our husbands, what it means to love our wives, what it means to, to live out the gospel message in our workplace. But right here, Paul is making emphasis, finally, brothers. Finally, brothers and sisters, I need you to know that we are at war. And that's what Paul's urgency is here. He wants us to recognize right away here at the end of the letter that we are at war and who we are at war with. And as I mentioned earlier, from time to time, we can fall into two traps if we aren't careful. The first one is being blinded to the fact that there is a war taking place. And the second, recognizing who our true enemy is. Is. Let me ask, in the audience, if, if you've served in the military before, can you just stand? If you've served in our military before, thank you. So thank you for your service. You guys may be seated. I want to make an example. I want to, I want to share an example for those who have served and soldiers, and if I get terminologies wrong, you guys can correct me later, okay? Um, But as a soldier, when you were called into the military, you signed up to fight. You you signed up to protect the freedoms of this country, and and we thank you for that. And there was a time, and you knew it, there was a time that a battle would take place. And at oh dark 30, maybe when you're spending time with your family, you're just waking up and you, have a, you get a phone call and your sergeant or general, again, if I'm screwing up these terminologies, correct me later. Uh, you get a phone call and says, hey, get your gear, meet at base, it's time to go. And so you and the rest of your brothers and sisters, family in that war, you get to that military base and and the the general gives you the instructions that, hey, this is our war, this is the mission to the war, this is who we are fighting, and he gives you weapons of how you're going to fight this war. And I say all that as an example because we as Christians are soldiers for the kingdom of God. We as Christians are soldiers for the kingdom of God. We are fighting for the kingdom of God. We are fighting against evil spiritual forces that are not of this realm. We are told how to fight. We're going to see that shortly. And each one of us have a mission. And that mission is to spread the gospel message. And that mission can look totally different for everyone. Some of us have been called to teach and preach, whether it's here on a Sunday or during small groups. Some of us have been called by God to be a missionary in our own workplace. Some of us have been called to be missionaries out into other countries or maybe somewhere around here, but all of us are on mission. And my question to all of us in here this morning is, are we in the battle? Are we in the battle? Are we truly engaging in the battle? Do we look at our community? Do we look at our town? Do we look at our workplace and say, I am on a mission to spread the gospel message? Or do we just go, eh? I'm glad no one said, eh, to me. And I'm sure, you're, I'm sure those who proclaim to be Christ followers, you're glad someone didn't go, eh, about you. 
We need to have this same mindset because here's the battle. We are against an enemy, and his name is Satan and the devil and all the demons. And some of you may be like, oh, come on, Mike. We're a little more sophisticated than that. No. That's what's blinding us from the truth of knowledge and sophistication. There are evil spiritual forces that are on a mission to steal, kill, and destroy. 1 Peter 5 verse 8 says, Be sober-minded, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion, looking for anyone he can devour. Jesus warns us in John 10 verse 10, A thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. And the enemy is stealing, killing, and destroying. And we can look at the news and see what's going on. I'm not saying I believe everything on the news, but there are a lot of things that we see that's going on in the news. Number one, the thing that I feel like is being devoured is truth. And the the age that we live in today with all the information, I'm going to dive into this a little bit deeper, but there's so much information out there, we don't even know what's truth from reality. Families are being destroyed. 50% now, 60% divorce rate, and that same number is for those who proclaim to be Christ followers. We have kids at young age who are being confused about their sexuality, and now we're starting to question if there's even more than one gender. Tell me the enemy is not on the prowl. And the other thing, be the church in America. And I can't speak for all the other churches around the country and the world, but I know for here when I look at the church in America, it seems like we just want to fight against one another. We, we, we want to make sure that we fight and make sure that we know that um, what I say is right and true and you have to deal with it. Listen, I'm all for truth. We need to know truth. We need to biblically be sound. But Jesus warned a church, the same church, I believe it's in Ephesus, in Revelation that said, hey, I'm glad that you know the truth. I'm glad that you're protecting doctrine. But if you don't love me, and if you don't love those around you, what good are we doing? We need to stop fighting one another and we need to meet each other where, they're at, where we're at and by God's grace, allow people to grow. Let people grow. And so if there's this war that's taking place, Paul is now telling us in verse 13 to suit up. Suit up. For this reason, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist the evil day and having prepared everything to take your stand. Notice there at the end, put on the full armor of God so that we can take a stand. Let's be honest, how many of you had some battles? You've had some battles in your life. Who's had a battle this week? Like you're like, oh geez, it's been a, been a rough week. I've been there with you. And sometimes, I, I don't know, this is, this is what happens in my mind. You can Follow along, or some, but sometimes in the midst of a battle, I don't sometimes always have the confidence that I wish I had. Sometimes I, I see myself not as a, as a strong leader, but I see myself as a cowardly boy. Frightened, walking through fog, walking through fire, looking around and seeing this enemy in front of me and either wanting to coward or just let him do whatever he wants to do. And then I'm reminded of God and his awesome power and his wonder and his full armor. And we're going to talk a lot about this towards the end about faith. But when we put our true hope and faith and confidence in Jesus Christ, in Jesus Christ alone, nothing else, Christ is our victory. Christ is our victory. Christ is the one who can help us overcome any battle or struggle that we're going through right now. Listen, if you have a marriage issue, I want to let you know that Christ can fix it for you. If you have an issue with a loved one, Christ can fix it with you. If you have a drug issue, if you know someone has a drug issue, Christ can fix it for you. But we need to suit up. 
We need to put on the armor of God. We need to... We need to stand firm in this, and we need to stop fighting this war with worldly armor. We need to stop fighting this war with worldly armor and put on the armor of God. And a great example of this, and if you haven't read this, I encourage you to read it, 1 Samuel chapter 17. For those of you who've grown up church, you may know this. It's the story of David and Goliath. Who in here knows a little bit about David and Goliath? Who doesn't? Who doesn't know about David? If you don't, and you're like, I don't don't want to put my hand up, I encourage you to read it. But there's a great example of here of what it looks like to put on the wrong armor versus the right armor. When, I'm just going to paraphrase here real quickly. David gets into the battlefield and Goliath has been taunting for like the last 40 days or so to the Israelites and saying, send someone to fight me. And Saul should have been the one that went, but that's another topic for another day. And ultimately, David comes in and he says, I will fight. And in verse 31 of chapter, 1 Samuel 17, verse 31, David says this. What David said was overheard and reported to Saul. So he had David brought to him. David said to Saul, don't let anyone be discouraged by him, Goliath. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. Context, you need to know, David was like 12. Had no um, experience being a soldier, no experience in being in a war. And here he comes into the battlefield, it's like, I'll kill him. Bring him on. And King Saul replies, You can't fight this Philistine. You're just a youth. And he's been a warrior since he was young. And for some of us, when we hear discouragement or anything going on, I'd be like, Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right, I can't, I can't do this. I can't overcome these temptations. I can't overcome this marriage struggle. I can't overcome you fill in the blank. But then David reminded Saul who actually was really in charge. Let's read on. David answered Saul, Your servant has been tending his father's sheep. Whenever a lion or a bear came and carried off a lamb from the flock... I went after it, struck it down, and rescued the lamb from his mouth. If it reared up against me, I would grab it by its fur, strike it down, and kill it. Your servant has killed lions and bears. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, for he has defiled the armies of the living God. Woo! Then David said, the Lord, don't miss this. And David said, the Lord, the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. David knew who his armor was. He put on the armor of God, said, Saul, I know you're concerned. I know everyone is afraid, but I'm telling you the giftings that God has given me, he will help me defeat this Philistine. And Saul says, okay, go on. You can do this. I paraphrase that. Sorry, you can read, read the scriptures on your own later. But then here, here's what Saul does try to do, though. Then Saul had his own military clothes put on David. He put on a bronze helmet on David's head and had put on armor. And David strapped his sword over the military clothes and tried to walk, but he was not used to them. And David says, I can't walk with these. I'm not used to them. So David took them off and said he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the wandai and put them in his pouch, in his shepherd's bag. Then with his sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. Listen, someone, Saul tried to dress David up and said, this is how you should fight. This is what a real soldier fights. And David's like, okay, I mean, I don't have the experience here. I'll probably try it on. But then he recognized right away, this isn't how I'm meant to fight. This is worldly stuff. This isn't how I'm meant to fight. And some of us, we want to fight the the spiritual realms with worldly uh, armor, one of them being works. One of them, we think that if we do good works, if we work somehow here on this earth, that that will earn us salvation. I'm telling you, our works doesn't earn us salvation. The cross of Jesus Christ is what earns us our salvation. And we can put our hope and trust in that. (laughs) 
And just like David had a Goliath, and he had, technically he had three. If you read it, you can see. That's another story. Okay. <laughs> My point being is that we all have a Goliath. We, we all have some Goliath that's in our way. As I said, there are times like I, I feel like that scaredy cat. I'm on the, the road, and here's Goliath, however he may look like. And I'm like, I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't do this. But then I think of my faith in Jesus Christ, and it's like, you're right, I can't do this, but God can. God can, and God can do the same thing for you. So let's talk about this armor. Let's talk, we're only going to look at the first four pieces of the armor today. Pastor John is going to look at the last two at the end. But let's, let's look at our defenses here. The first one is the belt. The belt. Six, uh, verse 14a, it says, Stand therefore with truth like a belt around your waist. Now I know this is a funny analogy. But the reason I wear a, wear a belt is to keep from my pants falling down. Like it'd be kind of awkward if I'm not wearing a belt and all of a sudden, whoop! I'd embarrass my wife, I'd embarrass my family, yeah, what? All of us, if we're wearing jeans, sometimes we wear, we wear belts, and right? The belt is to help keep our pants up. The truth is to help us to keep from not falling from the lies of this world. That's why we need to be in God's word and, and the truth keeps us from falling from the lies that are being spread around. And, and maybe you're in here this morning, you're like, well, what is truth? Where does truth come from? How is this truth revealed? And I, I first just want to say that God is the ultimate source of truth. God is the ultimate source of, source of truth. And there's three different ways that he, he reveals his truth. Number one is through his son, Jesus Christ. God reveals his truth through his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus says in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That last sentence in today's culture is the most offensive sentence out there today. And we here in the church, we need to wake up from this reality that we cannot blend false religions with the truth of Christianity. We cannot blend false religions with the truth of Christianity. And, and I, I am in here today, and I'm sorry if I'm stepping on toes or anything like that, but if you are proclaiming to be a progressive Christian... You're doing more damage than harm, than good. Let me, let me just share with you briefly, and you can find this, you can look, read this later if you want to, churches that are proclaiming to be progressive Christianities, something that was embraced in 2006. This is some of their beliefs. We don't believe the Bible is the inherent or infallible word of God. We don't agree that creationism should replace the science of evolution in public schools. We don't believe that God hates gays, and we don't believe that people of other faiths are going to hell unless they convert to Christianity. We don't deny the right of women to choose what happens to their bodies. They go on to say some things like this. The Christian faith is our own, is our way of being faithful to God, but it's not the only way. Christianity is the truth for, this is not our beliefs, okay? Anyone who's watching, this isn't our beliefs. This is the progressive Christianity movement that's out there today, and I'm sharing this with you because I want you to be awake of the war that's going on out there. Christianity is the truth for us, but it is not the only truth. The principle stems from the reality of the 21st century. We share our lives with people who are Muslim, Jewish, Hindu, and Buddhist. We experience these people as loving and caring by following their religious traditions. To deny that is to deny that God can only draw people with one way. 
That simply isn't borne out in our experience. Notice that they're saying our experience. The power of the Christian faith to transform lives does not require it to be, it, require it to be exclusively true. Exclu- exclusivity is born out of fear. The fear that there is one train to God and if you aren't on the right train, you'll go to hell. We believe that there are many trains and God welcomes them all. I guess they didn't read John 14, 6. And listen, I I love you. Thanks. I love you guys as the church. I love you enough to tell you the truth. And for some of you, this is really hard. Do in my flesh, do I wish I could say, oh yeah, there's, there's multiple paths, there's multiple ways to God, but there isn't. And this isn't trying to, to, to fear, put fear into you guys or, or scare you into it. I just need you to know the truth. And sometimes the truth It hurts. Sometimes the truth, it's scary. But Jesus tells us that when we know the truth, we have freedom. We have life in him and in him alone. And my always argument to people is say, oh, well, there's multiple paths to God is, okay, if that were true, which it's not, why did Jesus get the short end of the stick? Why did we just praise God and thank him for a punishment that all of us deserve? There are not any multiple paths. There is only one way to salvation, and that is through Jesus Christ and Christ alone. The second way that truth is revealed is through the Scriptures. John 8, verses 31 to 32, Jesus says the following to the Jews who had believed in him. If you continue in my word... In my word, you really are my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Key words, my word. Jesus is saying, my word. This is God's word. This is God's word. His word has the final say. And if we are calling ourselves Christians, we need to believe this. We need to believe that God's word is the final authority. Here in the information age, as I mentioned earlier, there's so much information out there. We, we, we can get slid like, oh yeah, they're right, they're right, and all these places to go. I would encourage you, if you're, if you're someone who's a reader or a podcast listener or whatever it may be, anything that you hear or read, go back to this. Go back to this and see what God's word has to say. And if it doesn't line up with God's word, it ain't true. It ain't true. Third thing, the way that scripture or the truth is revealed is through the Holy Spirit. John 14, 17 says, he is the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him. But you do know him because he remains with you and will be in you. John 16, 13 says, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in all the truth. For he will not speak on his own, but he will speak whatever he hears. He will also declare to you what is to come. See, the Holy Spirit convicts us of truth. The Holy Spirit convicts us of truth. The Holy Spirit gives us wisdom and discernment of what is true and what is not. And we need to decide whether or not we will listen to the Holy Spirit. Every day it's a choice. We're either going to listen to what God's Word has to say, we're going to listen to what the Holy Spirit is telling us, or we're not. And a great example of this is in Exodus when Moses approaches Pharaoh. Pharaoh had multiple chances to to surrender to God, and yet he hardened his heart more and more and more and more. So the first piece is the, the belt 
of truth. We need to know the truth, and we can know the truth through Jesus Christ, through Christ's words, and through the power of the Holy Spirit. Second piece of the armor is the breastplate of righteousness. Ephesians 6.14b says, Righteousness like armor on your chest. Righteousness like armor on your chest. Righteousness, but okay, let's be honest. Righteousness is one of those church words that can get thrown around and like, yeah, righteousness. Who, who doesn't know what that means? Like, no, no one on it? Okay, fine. Um, <laughs> righteousness, the quality of being in, in accordance with God's law. Righteousness means being in accordance to God's law. And here's something that we need to know about righteousness. Righteousness isn't something we earn. Righteousness isn't something we earn. Righteousness only comes through the works of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So there's no amount of work, there's no amount of thing that can earn us righteousness. It all comes through the works of Jesus Christ. And this breastplate of righteousness, why do you think we, it's a breastplate? Why do you think Paul uses the analogy of a breastplate? Because it's protecting our hearts. It's protecting our hearts. And there is a war that is going on for your heart every single day. It's, evil, it's either the sins of this world and the enemy that is keeping you down and out spiritually, or God's Holy Spirit is in your heart. Those are only two options. You're either alive in Christ or you're dead to the world. Sorry, that was a little blunt. But I need you guys to know this reality because there is a war for your heart and I don't want to see anyone dead to this world, but I want to see every single person in this room. I want to see every single person in this community, in this state, in this nation, knowing Jesus Christ. And I will preach and preach and preach until God calls me home the truth of this so that someone can have a saving salvation experience just like I did and just like you did. Amen. The gospel of peace. Ephesians 6.15, it says, And your feet sandaled with readiness for the gospel of peace. Why do we put shoes on? To, to go out, walk. If, if you're a runner, you put on running shoes to run? Okay. No? okay. But I, was, that was, I was looking for crowd participation there for the runners. Okay. If you put on running shoes, you're going to? Okay. Woo. All right. Paul is telling us here that we need to be ready to spread the gospel message. We need to be ready at all times. Here's the thing. The world isn't going to know Jesus Christ by our actions alone. Okay, that, that we do have to live our Christian faith out. We do need to go out there and, and you know, yes, we, I've gone to Tanzania. We, we saw a well that was built there and we've helped provide water there here as a church. And those are fantastic. But if we're just doing those things and not talking about Jesus, then what are we really doing? It's not just our actions alone. We need to speak the truth. And Paul tells us in his letter to the Romans, chapter 10, verses 14 through 17. How then can they call on him they have not believed in? And how can they believe without hearing about him? And how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But not all, not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? So faith comes from what is heard, and what is heard comes through the message about Christ. 1 Timothy 4.2, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and teaching. We're all on missions. I, I, I hope you have this mindset. You are a soldier for Jesus Christ. 
You are a soldier for Jesus Christ, and we all are on a mission to spread the gospel message, as I said earlier, and it may all look different for us, but I want to encourage you to stay on mission, to be ready in your workplace, in a family member's home that may not know Christ, out in the public having conversations with people. We are all called to share the gospel message. It is not just those that are up here on Sunday. All of us. All of us come together in unity in Christ's body to go out. Because listen, there are people that you can reach that I'll never be able to reach. That's why we need your help. That's why we need to do this together for those who served in the military. It wasn't just a one-man show to go out. Okay, you go fight the war. All right, Sarge, go ahead. You got this. We'll just sit back and put our feet up. He'd probably tell you, drop and give me 20, right? Maybe 200. I don't know. Um, this isn't a one-man show. And to be honest, it's not about any of us men or women. I'm sorry. I'm using man as creation. It's not about any of us in here. It's about Christ and Christ alone and, and sharing the truth and the hope. Do you, do you see what's out there in this world? There's people who are hopelessly wandering around and asking what else is out there. And I'm telling you, Jesus Christ is the only way. Jesus Christ is the only one that can lift those burdens. Jesus Christ is the only one that's going to give you hope in this world because there's nothing else in this world that will. Which leads us to the, the, the fourth armor here, the shield of faith. Shield of faith. In every situation, take up the shield of faith and with which you can extinguish all flaming arrows of the evil one. Faith is a strong confidence and reliance upon someone or something. Faith is a strong confidence in and a reliance upon someone or something. The question is for you this morning, what's your faith in? What is your faith in? And if you say, oh, my faith is in Jesus Christ, okay. Has that been rocky of late? Has that been unstable? Have you lost your confidence? Have you lost your faith in Jesus Christ and Christ alone? If we're honest, I think all of us in here in this room, one time or another, have had a rocky point in our, in our walk where it could have either... It either keeps us going or sends us back. See, Jesus talks about a parable of seeds being planted, the Word of God, the seeds being planted in all of our hearts. That's my hope and prayer that everyone in here, the, the Word of God is being planted in your hearts right now. And if you don't know Christ, my hope and prayer is that Christ is going to bring that seed and come, have it come alive. But Jesus also warns when those seeds are planted, there are some that grow. There are some that are snatched away. There are some that go on the journey for a little while and then they go back. I'll just share a personal story with you. Six months into my faith journey, way before I moved down here, and I'm still struggling with my past sins, you know, someone who would go around and, and get drunk all the time, Someone who would, who would sleep around with women like, it was, like I didn't care about them and who they were as women. Six months after saying I'm, I'm surrendering my life to Christ, a new life, want to be a new creature in Christ. Six months in, there was this war waging in my heart. And I wish I can explain it, but some of you, you may get it. There's this tug of war that happens in your heart. And you know what, and Paul talks about it in Romans, I know what I should do, but I don't do it. But there are things that I know I shouldn't do, and I do it. And there's this tug of war going on. And there was a point where I felt like Job, I just felt hopeless. And I didn't know where my, if my confidence truly stand in Christ and Christ alone. And whether you're a new Christian in here, or maybe you've been a Christian for the last 30 years, maybe you've gone through that, or maybe you're going through that right now. I remember going to church, worship song starts, this is way before, again, I was down here, worship song starts, and I'm just crying. 
I'm crying. I, I couldn't tell you why right then and there, but now I look back at it. It was because of this war of like, I want to live a life that aims to please Christ. But on this other side, there's this war that wants me to bring me back into my sinful life, and I don't know what to do. God, please reassure me that you are true. Please reassure to me that Christ is who he says he is. And then the preacher came up. He didn't know it, but he was like, there's some of you guys right now who are like Job, and you're wrestling with your faith, and I want you guys to come on up, and we want to pray for you. My first response was, heck no. Like, literally, we sat, the church that I was going to, it was pews. I'm literally hanging on the pew for dear life. I am like, I'm not going up there. I will cry here in my seat, but I am not going up there. And the song continues, and the song continues, and I'm holding on. I'm not going up there. And the pastor's like, not everyone's up here. Come on up here. Come on. We, we want to pray for you. I'm like, I'm not going up there. I'm not going up there. I'll wait until he says, all right, everyone's up here. He didn't say it until I got up there. I couldn't tell you how I got up there. I just remember one moment I'm crying, holding on to the pew. And the next minute I'm at the altar crying, sobbing. And he's like, okay, let's pray for all the individuals because everyone's up here. Talk about God. And so they come through and they pray for us. And I go home and like, I'm tired. I'm not going to lie. I was tired from the spiritual battle that's inside and everything like that. And I take a four-hour nap. And then one of the most reassuring things came to my mind. Here's the context of this, though. I never read it. Never read this book. Didn't even know if this book existed in the Bible. And I didn't even know if there were these number chapters or verses in the book. But it was Jeremiah 29, 7. And it says, Seek the welfare of the city I deport you to and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For when it has prosperity, you will be prosperous as well. I remember just getting that sharpie and thinking, this is important, I need to write this down. And I did, and I still have it today. It's on our wall taped and the, the writing is still there by God's grace because it's a, it's a wipe-off marker. Like, I don't know how that's there. In that darkest moment, God reaffirmed to me, like, you can trust in me. I've got this under control. And if it wasn't for that moment, I believe I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't believe be here. And this doesn't mean I'm like, I'm some great guy. No. I'm a human who's a sinner saved by grace through Jesus Christ who just wanted the reassurance that Christ is who he says he is. I want to tell you today, if you're in here today, I want that reassurance. I want to let you know that Christ is who he says he is. Christ is who he says he is. He is the prince of peace that Isaiah 9, chapter 1 through 7, reads as follows. Nevertheless, the gloom of the distressed land will not be like that of the former times when he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will bring honor to the way of the sea, to the land east of the Jordan, and to Galilee of the nations. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. A light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. You have enlarged the nation and increased its joy. The people have rejoiced before you and they rejoiced at harvest time. And as they rejoice when dividing spoils. You have shattered their oppressive yoke and the rod of their shoulders, the staff of their, their oppressor, just as you did on the day of Midian. For every trampling boot of battle and the bloody garments of war will be burned as fuel for the fire. And here we go, Prince of Peace. For a child will be born for us. A son will be given to us. And the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, 
eternal Father, Prince of Peace. The dominion will be vast and its prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. The zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. Hundreds, thousands of years before Christ, they're predicting the coming Messiah. I love right there in the second verse where it talks about that it will light up the darkest place. The darkness will become light through him. I know some of you in this room right now, you're walking through some darkness. You're walking through some trials. You are walking through some battles and maybe you do feel scared. Maybe you do feel scared and hey, maybe you have these armors. Maybe, maybe you know the truth. You know that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. You know that it's his righteousness that saves us. You know that it's only the helmet of salvation through him and him alone who saves us. But there's one piece that I want you to make sure that you have because we need all of these pieces. For some reason, this one seems to be forgotten a lot. The shield of faith. The shield of faith, the confidence and the reassurance that Christ is who he says he is. Because here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters in Christ, there are fiery arrows being shot at us every single day. And I know some of us wish we could just go home to Jesus. I, I pray Jesus comes soon. But in the meantime, we still have a mission. We still have a mission. We still need to go preach Christ crucified. We still need to bring hope to this community, to our workplace, and to the, to the surrounding areas. I encourage us to make sure we have that shield of faith. Especially in those darkest moments when we feel like, I can't do this. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. I can't overcome this. You're right. You personally can't. But Jesus Christ can help you overcome it. Jesus Christ can help you overcome those fiery darts. And I encourage you this morning, church, rest in the hope and peace of who he is. Put your faith in him and him alone. Don't try to earn it. Don't try to put anything else in, in, in Jesus plus something else. Him and in Him alone. So we're going to close with worship here. That I'm going to—I don't often do this, but I'm going to do an altar call. I'm going to do an altar call. If you're someone in here today who doesn't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and maybe you've put your faith in in, in this world, maybe you've put your faith in your money, maybe you put your faith in drugs, you put your faith in whatever it may be and you see that that's all coming up short. He said, I need that reassurance of faith, that strong faith in Jesus Christ. I'd love for you to come up to the altar. Myself and some people on the prayer team will come up and pray for you. But I'd also as well, if you're someone in here today, you said, yeah, I'm a Christ follower, whether it's been for the last month or for the last 20 years. And you're in a season right now where it's just rocky. And maybe you haven't put that shield of faith on and you just need that reassurance that Christ is with you. I want to pray with you too. Because I want to let you know that you're not alone. You have brothers and sisters that are praying for you and ultimately you don't have to fight the battle that you're going through alone. Just allow Christ to be that shield for you this morning. Let's pray. God, we need you. God, we need you now more than ever. We live in a state, in our nation right now, where where things seem hopeless, things seem dark, things seem confused. And there's many people in 
this church building here this morning, and there's many people outside of these walls that are wandering around aimlessly in the dark. And if we're honest, a lot of us scared. God, I don't want to see these people be scared anymore. I don't want to see people walking around aimlessly in the dark. I, I want them to have their path lit up to the truth of who you are, Jesus Christ, our Lord, our King, our Savior, our Father, our Friend, our Deliverer, faithful one, the one who can move mountains, the one who can break down walls, the one who can break down barriers, the one who can defend us from the fiery flames. God, if there's anyone in here this morning who, who, who doesn't know you, have never put their full faith and trust in you today as Lord and Savior, Father God, I pray that they repent of their sins, they repent, they turn away from their darkened lives and they come to you and to you alone, Lord God. No other religions, no other name, no work base, but that they can rest in the fact that you, Jesus, are our Savior. I pray for those who, who may call upon your name and have a heart for you and want to serve you and love you, but right now they're in a season where, where things seem tough. And maybe their faith is low. And maybe, maybe they forgot their shield. God, remind them here this morning that you are trustworthy. That they can put their confidence in you and you alone. That you will get them through this fiery furnace, whatever battle they're going through. God, we thank you for all that you're doing here in Quakertown and in Pennsburg and the surrounding communities, God. God, we need you. We need you, and we humbly come to you asking you, Jesus, for help. We repent of our sins of, of trying to do this on our own. We repent of our sins of trying to make this a man-made thing. We, there is nothing that we as man can do to, to fight against the spiritual forces that are surrounding us. It is only through your power, Jesus, that we can do this. So help us rise up. Help us rise up as men and women for you and you alone. Help us rise up as men and women soldiers for the kingdom of God. Help us rise up to stand firm against the evil one. May all glory and honor always, always, always be given to you and you alone because you are the victor. You are the one who has won the war. Yes, we have our battles. You've won the war. I can't wait to see you. We as the church can't wait to see you again. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Will you stand as we get ready to worship our Lord? And if you need prayer, please come to the front. We'll pray for you.